This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. If you want to turn to your Bibles, we're going to um, continue this discussion from the the book of uh, Matthew. You can turn in Matthew chapter uh, chapter six, and I'm going to pick up um, where, where we left off, right around Matthew um, six and nineteen. And we're talking. We've been doing a series of teachings, verse by verse, from the Sermon on the Mount. And as we look back on the teachings, you know, it's 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 um, quite interesting. This is this is one of the teachings, um, one of the early teachings of Christ. You know, after he's um, begun his his public ministry after his time of testing and temptation when um, he's, he's, he's ministering to, to those that, that, that are his disciples. And um, Minister Martin, he mentioned it before, that, that, that there are those there that, that are his disciples. There are those that, that are scribes and Pharisees. There are those that are just, just people that, that wanted to see what, what, what all was, was happening, what all was going on. And, and I love that Jesus, he actually he begins to just break down and, and sort of um, um, establish that, that, that his ministry is going to be like, like no other ministry before, that, that he is uh, going to uh, bring forth a teaching that's different from what the people have been expecting. It, it, it's become different from what they've allowed themselves to get lulled into their, their, their comfort and their, their patterns, that he's actually teaching um, you know, about the kingdom of heaven, which, you know, the, the, the he- heaven and earth are, are completely different. The order in heaven and the, or- the order on earth are, are, are completely separate. And, and Jesus says, but this, this is the pattern. This is the pattern that, that my disciples, you, that, that you all are to follow. And I love that when he first, when he first begins to teach, he talks about um, the kingdom of heaven and this present age. He meets the people exactly where they are. He, he, lets the, he lets his disciples know who they are, what their identity is, how they should look at themselves. Um, the, the world may have labeled them as, 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 as poor. The world may have labeled them as, as those that were less than, as those that were without. But Jesus says that, that um, as my disciples, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're, you're in the highest, the, the position of high favor with the king. And he says that, that I understand that this, that this present age, this, this present system, that is corrupt. He says, I, I understand that your circumstances may not be what you want them to be. I understand that because of the evil and sin in men's hearts, that, 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 that obstacles have been placed in your way. But as he's addressing the kingdom of heaven in this present age, what he's letting his people know is that the span of time that you're in right now, yes, there's injustice. Yes, there's scarcity when there should be abundance. Yes, there's there's an unevenness of distribution. And there's some that that, want to stay on top and would do anything to keep others at the bottom. But he says that the span of time that you're in right now, where you are right now, that is the time that God has given you to be effective. 
The span of time that you have right now is the time that the Lord has given you to be effective for his kingdom. So you're blessed. You're blessed. You can't, you can't wait for some former condition, some, some bygone day, some former circumstances to be restored. You know, at this time, the, the, the Roman Empire was, was, uh, was, was uh, um, in rule over the, uh, the, the nation of Israel. And, and they had placed uh, their own governors. They had displaced those that, that would have been the rightful rulers. Um, they had displaced them and put those that were, that were in support of, of their regime in place. And quite frankly, the, 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 the Romans, they did, that, they did that often to keep the kingdoms to keep their, their territories under subjection. They, they didn't want any one, any one ruler to, to amass popular support. They didn't want any one ruler to amass uh, popular, uh, popular control because then that would be the place where, where they would have an uprising and the people would try to throw off the rule. And so they, they, they kept careful control and careful orchestration. In fact, the, 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 the Roman Empire, they, they engendered, they, they encouraged divisions within leadership. They encouraged divisions within society because that kept the people separate and it kept the people weak. You know, I feel like in our modern society that we've learned too much from those Greco-Roman patterns where the people have been encouraged to be separated, where they've been encouraged to have discord among themselves so that they could remain weak. Jesus is telling the people that you can't wait for some former condition. You can't wait for some former circumstance to be restored because, because that time has already passed. Right? The time of David, the time of Solomon, that, those times have already passed. The kingdom has already been divided. They've already been taken into captivity. He's also saying that you can't wait for a future time. You can't sit on the sidelines and say, well, I'm going to wait for some future time to come when it's going to be more convenient. I'm going to wait for some future time to come when it's going to be easier. I'm going to wait for a time to come when, when they're not putting as much heat and as much pressure on those that confess the name of the Lord. I'm going to wait until it's a little bit more comfortable to obey the will of God. It says, now is the time. In your current circumstance, in this present age, this is the time that you have been given to do the will of the Lord. Listen, we learn in this ministry that the, that the strength, the grace to accomplish the will of God in a dispensation, that it's for that dispensation. That strength needs to be exercised during the dispensation. Otherwise, it goes to waste. Otherwise, it goes to waste. It makes it, 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 it there, there's no sense in you waiting. And for you looking around and trying to see, well, where can I, where can I get in? Where can I get in? Where is it going to be convenient for me to just kind of slide in there and give my little contribution and take it over the top? He says the, 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 the grace 
His, his power, His strength for you to accomplish His will in this dispensation. It needs to be exercised during this time. You, you, you think you have the power now, but if you sit on it, if you wait on it, when you think it's a more opportune time, you're going to find out that, that, that your strength will fail you. That you don't, you don't have the ability to do what God has called you to do. Because the time for you to act has already passed. Now is the time. Hearken unto the voice of the Lord. Now is the time. He's given you the strength now to do His will. To do His will. And then Jesus goes on as, as He talks about the kingdom of heaven in this present age. He goes on and he talks about the kingdom of heaven and the law. He talks about the kingdom of heaven and that which has been spoken. And it's completely suitable for him to address the kingdom of heaven and the law because these were the people of the law. These were people that had, had rehearsed their genealogies. They, they had rehearsed the commandments and they had rehearsed the words of the prophet that they had held the oracles of God. And it was, it was God's will that they do so, so that they, would, that they would hold on to that truth until all the world could be enlightened. Until it could be declared unto all the nations. And so these were people of the law and that which has been spoken. And here Jesus is, he comes. And they're saying, well, well Jesus, you're saying that now is the time for action. Now is the time for us to, to, to be different, to be separated. He says, is, 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 are we going to do away with the law as well? And if you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus says, I, I didn't come to set aside the law, but I've come as the fulfillment of the law. He says, I, I didn't come so that you could be comfortable in your rationalizations. I didn't come so that you could be comfortable in your sins. That you can say, well, well, I know that the Lord loves me. I know that he forgives me. And so he'll forgive me for every sin. He says, I didn't come for you to become comfortable in your rationalizations. I didn't come for you to become comfortable in your sins. But he came to fulfill the law. He says that, that I, I've come to set a standard that exceeds the standard that you've seen from the religious leadership. He says, I've come to set a standard of righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of your religious leaders. And he says that you must have that your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees if you want to see the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5 verse 20 says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to put... To grace over your mess. I'm not, I'm not here to, 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 to bless over 
your shortcomings. He said, I've come to establish a standard that's far above what you've seen. Because what you've seen has allowed you to make excuses. What you've seen has allowed you to lie to yourself and to excuse yourself from doing the will of God and seeking your own comfort. He says, I've come to establish a standard that's far above that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Or you will in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus has addressed the kingdom of heaven as it relates to this present age. He's addressed the kingdom of heaven as it relates to the law in terms of that which has been spoken. And so then the scriptures, he take the, in his message, he takes a turn. He talks about the relationship of his disciples to the kingdom of heaven. Then he starts to get, he starts to get personal. He starts to get intimate. He says that, that to his disciples that you need to be as, as children of your father, which is in heaven. When I look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, it says that ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. He said that the the Lord, he, he causes the sun and the rain. He causes his... His blessings. He, he makes available forgiveness. He makes available salvation to those that you would consider good, those you would consider as a part of your, your group, as a part of your set, as well as those that are evil, those that you would call the evil, those that you talk about, those that you despise, those that you rail against, those that that the authorities have set at odds against you. Those that the media has painted as, as, as those that are opposed to you. That are, they, are, they are out to get you. That they have targets painted on you. He says that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. And he gives this controversial commandment. He says that, that, that we need to love. He said, well, brother, that doesn't sound controversial. We all, we all want some love. He says, you need to love your enemies. You need to love those that are actively working against you. You need to love the ignorant. You need to love the simple. You need to love those that are wise in their own eyes. You need to love. Those that you would have looked down on, you need to love them. 
those that you would have tried to snuggle up to in order to get favor. He says, no, you, you don't need to try to manipulate. You don't need to try to control. You don't need to try to, to, sort, to, to, uh, to trick. He says, you need to, you need to love. He says, you need to love. Jesus, he's talking to those that have separated themselves. Those that, that what I love about this, it says that, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. It doesn't say that you are. It doesn't say that, that, that you are guaranteed to be. He says that you, that you might possibly that you could that you could strive towards that you could attain to that you could incline your heart towards that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven and so what's required is what's required is that you would separate yourselves that you would consider yourself distinct from that which is common you know setting yourself apart as children of your heavenly Father, it's, it's deliberate and it's continuous. In spite of the world system, in spite of your traditions and what you've known before, in spite of what you've been told by the media and society, setting yourself apart as children of your heavenly Father, it is deliberate and it's continuous. Jesus goes on, he contrasts, he says, he says, I want to show you that, that you have to, it has to be deliberate action. I want to show you that it has to be continuous action. And what he does is he says, I'm going to, I'm going to demonstrate, I'm going to contrast how you as the children of your heavenly father should behave in the actions of, of the publicans, those that steal from the people. The actions of the hypocrites, those that are actors, that, that, that put on a mask, that have multiple faces. The actions of, of, of the heathens, those that, that have no knowledge, that are completely outside of. They, they know not which God it is that you serve. And he warns, the, he warns his disciples, he says, Pay attention to who your role models are. Pay attention to who you model yourself after. He says that, that the hypocrites, that they're only motivated to be seen. They are exhibitionists. They only want to be seen. And they're motivated by the praises of men. But he said that, that the children of God, they're motivated by the desire that men would glorify their Father in heaven. The motivation for the children of God is not to be seen of men, is not to be praised by men, but that men would glorify their heavenly Father.
Now look at Matthew 5, verse 16. It says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It says, Let your light so shine. This is, this is the manner of you shining your light. That they would see your good works and not give you glory, not give you credit, but that they would glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So as we dig into this, Jesus begins to, to, to give instructions as, as a father would to his children. And, you know, as I think about this, and, you know, Brother Ebert, he's a sentimental person. I'm always thinking about, um, you know, how it was around my house. And if you heard Ronnie, Janice, and Jay, you knew that that wasn't one word, but that was a warning. Because that's what my mother would call my two sisters and me. And she said it all, all together. And when she said it all together like that, that wasn't one word, that was, that was a warning. That meant to be to pay attention. Because there was going to be some instruction that was for the children in the house. It wasn't for it wasn't for anybody outside. It wasn't for it wasn't for the neighborhood. Come inside and close the door. We have some some things that we need to talk about. And so here Jesus says he, he's the Jesus is our big brother. He's the messenger. Jesus is the messenger, but the instructions, they come from the heart of the Father. Don't lose it. Jesus is the messenger. Don't, don't get hung up on who's, who's actually given the instruction. Know that the instruction comes from the heart of the Father. That the instructions are motivated by the Father's love for His children. We've often heard it said, you know, from, from some of the other ministers that, that have um, older siblings that, you know, if, if, if my big sister told me something that needed to be done, I could act like it was her that was saying it. And I would suffer the consequences. Because the instructions, she may have been the messenger, but the instructions came from the authority. They came from the authority. Jesus, what he's doing is he's, he's teaching disciples. He's saying, look, God, God wants you to be close. He's not some far away, mysterious figure. He's not a picture in a book. He's not a name on a door. He's here with, it, with you. Jesus teaches his disciples, he says, this is how to become vulnerable. This is how to become open before your heavenly father. And, and the ways that, that he shows them how to do this, he says that, that you're going to become vulnerable. You're going to expose your heart to the father in your giving. You're going to expose your heart to him in your prayers. You're going to expose yourself to him in, in fasting. He says, these things, they're not, 
that they're not for the outside, they're not for the neighborhood, they're not for, for company. No, this is, this is just between family. This is, this is intimate conversation. You know, there, there are things with my own children where there are certain instructions that, that, that I might give them in public, but there are some very specific things that I'll only tell them when we're at home. And that, that's, that's why as parents, if you have things that, that, that need to be corrected in your children, yeah, there's some things that you can correct in public, but the deeper things, the things that, that are at the core the serious, serious matters. Those are things that you correct at home, behind closed doors. There, there are some things about my son that I'll only say between, between us. His mother's not even there. His sister's nowhere near. It's just, it's just us. There are some things about my daughter that I need to correct, and I'll, I'll just tell it that it's, it's just between us. And I'll say, listen, this is, this, is what, this is what I'm seeing. This is where I see that, that, that God is working in your life. I see these things that need to be addressed, that you need to pay attention to. There are some things in the house that, that both my children, they, they need to hear, and we talk about that at the dinner table. We're not going to talk about that when company is over. But when it's just us, yeah, we need to address some of these things. We need, to, we need to make sure that these, that these things are shored up in the house. And why, why is that? Because the things that you discuss in private, the edification, the building that you do in private, that's that unseen work. And that determines how they stand when they're in public. That determines what comes out of their mouth when they're in public. That determines their actions when they're in public. Those things, those things that you lay before your father in private. Those, those, those things that you withhold from yourself and say, Lord, I want you to take this desire away from me. It's, it's, it's holding me back. Those things that you say, well, Lord, I, I could have put my monies in this area, but but I'm, I'm giving it over to, to the kingdom for your use. Because it's not about me. It's not about consumption. It's not about consumption, consumption and destroying. But it's about building. It's about building the kingdom of God. Those things that are done in private, they determine who you are when you're on the public stage. Because when you're in public, you're going to be pushed People will try you. Society will try you. It will test you. That's where we talk about integrity. You can tell the integrity of a substance when you put it under strain. When you put it under stress, then those weak points become evident. Those weak points become evident. So Jesus, he's, he's talking as, as a father is to his children. And he talks about 
how they, they work, they, how they expend their effort. Go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. So when he's talking about laying up your treasures, first of all, you have to understand that in order to lay up treasures, that means that you have to expend effort beyond what it is needed for you to survive. He's saying, look, you need to get past the point of just getting by. In this time, God has called us to restore the next generation. We have to get past the point where we need our egos stroked, where we need to be affirmed in the, the, the little things that we do. See, in order to lay up treasures, you have to get, you have to get past the point where it's all about you. In laying up treasures, you have to actually exert yourself. You're going to have to expend your energy beyond what's needed to meet your basic needs. What's needed just for you to survive. There's, never, there's nothing any more perplexing than someone that's, that's broke trying to argue with you about which savings plan to use. Like, it, it doesn't even matter to you. You're not, you're, not at that, you're not even at that point yet. They want to tell you about Bitcoin and Doge and real estate, and you're like, you broke. You need to expend your energy beyond what it takes for you to survive before you can even think about laying up. Laying up, it means to, to bring forth, to cause, to happen. Go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. In verse 45. Luke 6 and 45. It says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his, of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. It says that a good man, that he's, that he's laid treasure in his heart. He's laid in patience. He's laid in long-suffering. He's laid in forgiveness. Because what did the Lord tell us to do? He says that, that now that you understand the law, now that you understand the system, he's calling us to love. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be automatic. It's not going to be something that comes to you naturally. You're going to have to lay up treasure in your heart. And out of the good treasure that's in your heart, then you'll be able to bring forth that which is good. It's, it's, it's always a little, you know, I mean, it happens. I mean, so I guess you can't say it's sad, but you, you, just, you just notice it, that, that a parent will get, will get so exhausted at the end of the day that as soon as their child comes to them needing something, that they might be a little short, a little sharp. 
because they they, they, they they used up they used up what they had on the people in the office. They, they, they used up their smiles, they used up their words, they used up their, their decisions. They say people can only make a certain number of decisions a day. And so when you ask someone at the end of the day to decide something, you might come up with a negative reaction because they've already used up their decisions for today. They say that men only like to speak a certain number of words a day. <laughs> and so when you come to the brother at the end of the day, you might get a quick answer, quicker than you would like, because he's already used up his words. But listen, that's what society says. You need to lay in, lay up treasure. Lay up treasure in your heart. Lay up that long-suffering. Lay up that forgiveness, that patience in your heart, that humility, that tenderness, that gentleness in your heart. So that you, listen, it, does, it doesn't make any sense for you to go to work all day for your family. And then you come home and you have nothing for them. That didn't even make natural sense. What hunter hunts all day and comes home with nothing to feed his family? But here you go, you, you, you're, out, you're out of the home all day, or you're stuck in that room all day, conferencing and, and Skyping and Zooming with people all day. And now it's time for your family to eat, for them to feed what's in your heart, and you have nothing for them. You need to store, store up that treasure, store up that treasure. That's the treasure. Your family is who the treasure is for. It's not for strangers. So to lay up, it means to bring forth, to cause, to happen. You know, to lay up, it means to provide for. It means to make preparation. Just jump over a couple of pages in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Looking at verse 33. It's a parallel of scriptures. Just starting with verse 31, Luke 12 and 31. It says, But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, a father should have good pleasure in providing for his children. Parents, let's, let's make it gender non-specific, but you, you parents, you should have good pleasure in providing for your home. Let's make it so it does not even have to be biological. You should have good pleasure in providing for those that you commune with. It should be a joy to you for someone to come to your door in need and that you're able to give into them. You know, the, the, the mothers in the church, they would, they, would, they, would, they would laugh and giggle among themselves whenever they would pull a child aside and they would press something into their hand. It could be a piece of candy. It could be a piece of money. But whatever it was, 
They, they seem to just take joy and good, good pleasure. Good pleasure in giving. Good pleasure in giving. Verse 33, it says, Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that fail of not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupt. It says provide, provide for yourselves. Listen, stop looking for the, the lotto. Stop looking for the jackpot to come. Stop looking for, for, for riches to overtake you. You know what? Blessings may overtake you, but it's going to be the blessing of Jesus Christ and his salvation. That's what's, that's what's going to overtake you and overcome your sins. But you're not, going to, you're not going to suddenly be swamped with and inundated with treasures. You're going to have to store them up. It's going to require diligence. You're going to need to provide for it. You're going to need to make preparation. To lay up, it means to store up. It means to store up. We've got a few, just a few more scriptures. I know this is Wednesday night Bible study. I don't want to disappoint you, so we've got some scriptures tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I tried to lay them out so you don't have to turn in one direction in the Bible at a time. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Starting with verse 17, it says... Charge them that are rich in this world, that they not be high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us all, who give us richly all things to enjoy. He says, charge those that have material possessions. That they don't trust in that. Because that, those riches are uncertain. Verse 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So if you're going to lay up, you're going to have to make preparations. You're going to have to store up. It says a, a good foundation against the time to come. A good foundation against the time to come. Because there will be a time when there'll be lack. There will be a time when there'll be troubles, when there'll be trials. But in doing good, in being ready to distribute, in being willing to communicate, that you're laying a hold onto eternal life. Jesus is, is turning the whole dynamic of what treasures are and what they mean from society. Because back then, society, they, they viewed treasure as, as that which, which demonstrated the favor of God. They viewed treasure as coming from God. In fact, they would choose different gods based on which gods gave them treasures. And Jesus says that those, those treasures, that they mean nothing. That they're subject to corruption. That they're subject to rust and to moths. 
In 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, these are the treasures of this earth that are subject to moth, moth and to rust. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse, verse 1 it says, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. And he goes on to say, As newborn babes desire to sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That the Lord is gracious. He's saying that these, these are corrosive agents. Malice. These are corrosive agents. Guile. Hypocrisies. Envies. All evil speakings. One thing about corrosive agents is that they, they, they work Little by little, they work incrementally to weaken the structure. Corrosive agents, you know, unless you have a, a volatile agent, will, 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 will make a big splash and in, in, in lights and heat will, will be evident. And you'll see immediately the damage that is done. But corrosive agents, what they'll do is they'll, they'll work little by little. Atom by atom, molecule by molecule, swapping out, exchanging, weakening the structure, little by little. I remember once, um, you know, I've, I've told this before that, that I, um, in, in my youth, I, I, I was uh, practicing engineering, I was practicing at being an engineer. And they, they had me uh, working with these, these acids, these etching materials. And um, here I am, I, I'm thinking that I'm doing, you know, a halfway decent job of, of, of uh, monitoring the materials and monitoring my own person because they, they, the company let me know up front that, you know, their, their um, precautions were all designed to make sure that the, that the product was protected and that I needed to... to, to uh, protect myself at all times. And so, so here I am. I'm thinking I'm doing a good job until I, I had uh, been at this particular station. It had been several weeks. And actually it wasn't until I got home. And I started to examine the clothing that I wore when I was at that station. And I noticed that the clothing that I wore underneath the protective gear that they gave me following the, the protocols that they, that they put in place, I noticed that the clothing that, that I wore had holes in it. That it was, it was, it was actually, it was corrupted. It was those, those, those agents had, had, had found their way. And it wasn't, it wasn't an immediate thing. Or else I would have known it right away. And been, hey, what's going on? No, it was, it was subtle. It was little by little. And that's how these corrosive agents work. That's how malice works. That's how guile works. That's how hypocrisies and envies work. That's how evil speakings work. They, 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 they create tiny... What, what it was is there they were, they were changes happening at the molecular level. Those, 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 those agents were acting 
on the actual materials and they were changing them little by little. And it wasn't until over time that I saw the accumulation and that what I thought was something that was suitable to wear was no, it, it, was, it was only good for, for the trash at that point. Go to Romans chapter 6. So now you know we're turning the other way in the Bible now. We've, we've gone one way, now we're turning the other way. Romans chapter 6. It says, Romans 6 and 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says that the result of sin, the end product of, the end product of sin the fruit of sin, the evidence of sin, the reward for sin is death. That's that corrosive agent. It's working its way. It's not immediate, or else you would see someone sin and fall down and you would take heart. You would take heed. No, but it's, it works its way. It works its way. But the end result, know that the destination is certain. Know that the end result is certain. The end result of sin is death. Know that the end result of the gift of God, that's also certain. There's no question about it. There's no deviation to it. The end result, the gift of God, it's eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Slight detour, Romans 13. Romans 13, verse 12. It says, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It says, let, let's, let's walk honestly as in a day. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness. Not in strife. And envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The treasures on this earth, they are corrupted by moth and rust. These, these corrosive agents, we call them sin, we call them lust, and they all lead to death. But we see that, that Christ says, and go back to Matthew chapter 6 Matthew chapter 6 verse 20 says but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal it says lay up for yourselves Treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. What are, what are these treasures in heaven? Romans 13. We were just there. We said, what, what, what has God called us to do? He's called us to love. Romans 13, verse 8, it says, Oh, no man, anything but to love one another. 
For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. When it says fulfill the law, it means that he that he that loveth one another, the debt has been settled. Scripture says that that if if you would forgive your brother for his trespasses, then your trespasses would be forgiven of you. It says, He that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. That means the debt, the debt is settled. The debt is settled. What are these, what are these treasures in heaven? Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. Let's just go with verse 16. It says, He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despiseth his ways shall die. Verse 17, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given will he pay him again. It says that when you, when you give to the poor, when you give to the poor, it's as though you're lending to God. It's as though you were lending to the Lord. And you don't have to worry about that person that you actually loan that you loan to paying you back because the Lord, the Lord will pay you. The Lord will pay you again. Go to Proverbs verse ten, chapter ten. Verse 22, it reads, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. So it says that the blessing of the Lord, that, that it, it, makes, it makes rich, but it doesn't add sorrow. It maketh rich, but it addeth no sorrow. There, there's no... There's no, there's no worries with it. There's no heartache with it. There, there are no strings attached. There are no hidden clauses. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Go to Psalm 37. And we'll stay here for a while. Treasures in heaven, laying up treasures in heaven. What, is, what does it mean to lay up? Psalm 37, verse 1, it says, Fret not thyselves because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. These are, these are the corrosive agents. But what is, the, what is the treasure in heaven? It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. 
so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He says, commit, commit that way unto the Lord. When we commit our way to the Lord, we, 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 we lock ourselves in. Trusting in the Lord, it means that we are placing our reliance, our dependence. We don't have a second option. We don't have another avenue. Our trust is in the Lord. Our trust is in the Lord. Our delight is in the Lord. Our delight is not in the circumstances. Because the circumstances may not be favorable. Our, circum our, our delight is not in the situation. It's not in the time. It's not in the season. Our delight is in the Lord. Because when we delight in the Lord, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the season is. It doesn't matter what the economy is doing or what the political climate is. Our delight is in the Lord. It says that we commit our ways to the Lord. That we bound ourselves. We bound ourselves into the Lord's will. I'm often reminded how Abraham took his son to, to make an offering unto the Lord. And they traveled with some companions a certain distance. You can, you can go with the crowd a certain distance. But then they got to a place in the journey where it, where it just needed to be father and son. There, there was, there was a, an intimate time where it was just going to be father and son. And they went the rest of the way up the mountain. And Abraham and, and, and Isaac, his son, they, they made the preparations to make the offering unto the Lord. And as they were getting the preparations, Isaac, because he'd been trained, he says, Father, I, I, I see the wood. And, and I see that the altar is here, but, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said that the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. And then it says that, that Abraham, that he actually that he, he began to, to bind his son to the altar. That he began to, to commit his son to the altar. And that's when God came and told him to stay his hand and provided the ram in the bush. It says that we, when we commit our ways unto the Lord, when we bind ourselves, when we walk the extra way, 
away from the outside influence, away from the popular influences. And we trust that the Lord is going to provide for himself the sacrifice. It says that when he, when, he committed him, when he committed his son, that that's when the Lord came and said, here's the, here's the ram that's in the bush for the sacrifice. Commit that way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall, and he shall bring it to pass. The last scripture I want to read from here. Go down to verse 23, Psalms 37. Psalms 37, verse 23. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. His, 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 his feet are, are straightened. He's on a track. A, a train that's on a track doesn't have the, the liberty to wander about the countryside. It has only one way to go. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But it says that, you know what? That good man, he delighteth in his way. He takes great joy in doing the Father's will. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Verse 24 says, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. If he, if he stumbles, if there's an obstacle that he can't quite get over, he's not going to be utterly cast down, because the Lord himself upholds him. Verse 25 says, I, I've been young and now am old. I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. These are, these are treasures in heaven. When we commit our ways unto the Lord, when we, when we bind ourselves, when we constrain ourselves to His will, to His methods, not our own methods, to loving those that, that don't seem like they are deserving, but you know what? Did it rain on them? Then guess what? That means you need to love them. Did the sun, is the sun shining on them? Then that, that's who you need to love. That we commit our ways unto the Lord. And it's not a grievous thing. We're not suffering through. But we take great joy. We take great joy. Our delight is in the Lord. Our delight is in the Lord. And these treasures will cause our seed to never go begging for bread. Amen? Amen. So we're going we're gonna to press through some more this week. I know we didn't, get, we didn't get very far. We just did a couple of scriptures. But we really wanted to understand what it meant to, to lay up, to lay up treasures. This is, this is work. This is deliberate action. This is, this is not waiting. 
This is not hoping. This is not working as one that works in vain or maybe with uncertainty. We're sure. We have a sure reward for our labors. Amen. Our our founding pastor, he knows. He knows that, that his labor, it was not in vain. Our dear sister, she knows that, that her labor, that that which she laid up, that it was not in vain. So we're going to talk some more about what the Lord is showing us and how to have treasures in heaven next week. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.